Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 83, I Choose to Feel Threatened. This week we're discussing season 4, episode 13 of Buffy, The Eye and Team, and series 6, episode 6 of Doctor Who, The Almost People. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, Buffy, uh, this t- first this time. Um, and I want to start by going through all the initiative stuff, because we get a lot of information here that we didn't have before. Um, and mm-hmm. I want to start with Walsh, and I feel like I actually want to start with the end, at least for a couple minutes before we go into the rest of the episode, because just at least to mention the fact that she's gone now, like so much, so much thought and speculation on my part into, you know, who she is and what her actual motivations might be and, you know, her relationship to Riley and the initiative and how she feels about Buffy. And we get, uh, I feel like this has kind of become a little like theme this season of like characters who you think are like the bad guys who then get like neutralized, like no problem. Like there's other examples, but like obviously with like Spike, like giving his like big, you know, the big bad is back speech, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he gets, like, taken out. And Walsh um, kind of does that at the end. You know, you get her, like, starting to go into her villain monologue about um, how she's going to, you know, take care of Buffy and even Riley, too, if he gets in her way. And then Adam wakes up. Yeah. And kills her. Yeah. No, it so does. I guess I, I remember you asking me a couple episodes ago, are you getting any sense of who the big bad is for the season? And I don't think I said Professor Walsh. I wasn't necessarily thinking yeah. that way at the time. But as the initiative's gotten bigger and like, you know, I've started to get the sense of that the initiative was at least had the potential to be, even if they weren't necessarily like, villainous like totally evil at least like it seemed like they've been hinting at them being sort of a threat for a while and it seems like walsh is starting to emerge as you know this like threatening you know dangerous character and then no they just sort of pull a weed in and you know (laughs) kill her off just as she just as she's emerging as like (laughs) a new big villain (laughs) That's what I'm going to call it. So, uh, anyway, I just, before we get into all of the other stuff that we learned about her, I just thought, like, you know, he is really good at those. How can he do that every time? Because why am I not waiting for that every episode? I guess he does it sparingly enough that when it comes, you've been lulled into a false sense of security, and you think you know how this is going to go. You know, that it's going to become this season-long rivalry between... I mean, I guess it still could be the rivalry between the Scoobies and the Initiative, but not with Walsh at the helm anyway. Um, Sure. Or maybe she's brought back, I don't know. But at this point, it seems like 
that's the end of her as far as we know so yeah yeah um so, so i don't know if you have any i don't know if you remember the first time you watched it whether you found that surprising and shocking or whatever but i i think i was successfully had the rug pulled out from under me so yeah no and uh, i don't i mean i think i think i was surprised that she died in that manner um i mean it's kind of hard when you see earlier in the episode you see you know adam this frankenstein's monster-esque monster yeah. uh you know to not think oh now here we get a really bad guy who's sure. probably gonna become but yeah i don't i mean you don't that doesn't necessarily lead to and now Walsh is going to die, like, by the end of the episode. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Well, and, like, and it's not really till the end that, um, like, it, he could have, that could be a setup for, like, is Adam, I mean, clearly they're, you know, going to engineer him into some sort of monster or weapon or killing machine or whatever. But, like, you know, I don't know. I was kind of half, like, ex you know, you could kind of see Adam as, like, just another victim on the table, really. Like, like even when you just see him lying there, he's not, my mind doesn't, it didn't necessarily go to, okay, this is, like, gonna replace Walsh necessarily as, like, a bad no, guy. No, no, no. Like, like yeah. she's still sort of the one I'm watching out for at that point. So to have him sort of wake up and just take her out so easy. Um, right. But but I guess like so from that perspective is like she's she's an administrator right she's an academic right. so you're not thinking of her as being like the primary like this isn't like the mayor ascending again right, right. you know it's not like sure. she even if she's the big bad of the season then you know she's not going to actually be the one fighting Buffy right. so I think that's where. Like, when I first saw it, that's where my mind went to Adam. It's like, oh, she's yeah. going to control him. And and then, you know, the episode starts to develop into, okay, we need to put a plan in motion to get rid of Buffy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, where, where now you start saying, like, oh, okay, this is going to be the tension that plays out in the back half of this season. Right, yeah, exactly. Whereas, no... <laughs> By the end it of the like episode. barely yeah. plays out in the back half yeah. of the episode. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it it gets it definitely it definitely surprised me. You know, I think we need to definitely start being more aware of when the actors start slipping into a monologue because you're right. We have seen this a couple of times now. Like, yeah, it happened with Spike. It happened. With oh, Ethan. Ethan. That's the other one. I was, I was like, I knew somebody else did it and it was Ethan that Giles yeah. walks in on his model. Yeah. I like that little trope. Um, and now with Walt, what, you know, I mean, so Spike gets captured. Ethan gets captured. Now Walsh gets killed. You know, it's like, okay, it's like escalating even, you know, it's not yeah. just, it's no longer just uh, sort of funny, a joke. Yeah. you know, whatever. Like this yeah. is, yeah, kind of serious. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I, you know, I think the other thing is because we've seen Walsh become such an important part of Buffy's life, right? Like, you know, it's mm. even in this episode, like she's still sort of fixated on her when she's talking with Willow. And yeah. um, even when like she's talking to Riley, like, oh no, I screwed up and Walsh is going to hate me now. He's like, you know, Riley's like, no, she's not. She liked you even before I liked you. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so, so even like even in this episode it's like you still feel like this building sort of relationship between the two of them and respect and all of that until you get the you know uh she's a troublemaker now we gotta right you know bump her off or whatever so and so that is kind of an interesting kind of angle on walsh's character too because she's not like uh she's not like the mayor in that like i don't know that you could put her as neatly in the big bad or villain box as you could with someone like the mayor and not just because of her physical lack of like physical you know prowess or whatever but it seems like for most of even up till close like pretty much even up until she makes the decision to off buffy she's not even sure that she's going to do that. Like, it seems like in the episodes leading up to this and into most of this episode, she is testing Buffy and trying her out and wants to see, like, the impression I get is that she's... I I don't want to make excuses for her, like, oh, she gave her a chance or, like, and that excuses anything or whatever. But, like, she doesn't seem like when she meets Buffy, she's, like, you know, bent on her destruction or anything. It seems like she's considering the possibility of this sort of alliance, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's only when she becomes convinced of, I guess, um, the combination of how, uh, you know, how much of a troublemaker Buffy's going to be, both in terms of, like, her prying questions and kind of curiosity that are you know a little bit worrying and um you know that she'll be the one to ask awkward questions or to lead riley or the others into poking into things that they should be poking into and also walsh sees um how impressive she really is that this isn't someone they can just deflect easily you know and sort of that this is someone it who can take out all of her guys, you know, pretty much no problem. Um, You know, like, you really get this mounting sense of Walsh's kind of respect for her, you know, and she still underestimates her at the end, obviously, which is, you know, why she can't really finish the job. But, you know, it's sort of like as her respect is growing and she realizes how much of a threat Buffy is, she comes to this decision that she has to you know yeah uh, take her out so you know it's just interesting like and again that doesn't necessarily make her less of a bad guy but she seems to kind of get there gradually and and like even almost kind of like reluctantly like it's a decision she's making over the course of the episode that's the impression i got anyway i don't know i mean Even if even if that's true, like it strikes me that 
Walsh always knows this is a possibility. Like this is mm-hmm. a contingency plan. And maybe she's hoping or, you know, not actually thinking of ever using the plan. Mm-hmm. But it's it seems to it's me still there that yeah. that it's part of like it's part of the calculated move of bringing her in and you know that the other the the guy there the other doctor right is kind of like like he's sort of gunning for that buffy sooner but it's like they seem to have already talked about it as a possibility of you know we're going to have to do something with her if she doesn't work out you know from right. the beginning like like it almost seems like that's part of you know the deal of bringing buffy into the initiative is that we have to have a contingency plan in case she doesn't work out and that uh-huh. contingency plan is you know setting her up to be killed by you know demons that we've been working on sure. and and i i mean i don't know this but like i i think you could even make an argument for like when when we see the doctor working on those two demons, right? You know, Buffy has a little flashback to seeing him sort of in the pit there working on the two demons that attack yeah. her at the end. Um, I think it could be argued that that's what he was doing. Like he was somehow like enhancing them or working on them specifically, you know, to be For her. used in the case, in the event of her... Yeah, maybe not. I mean, maybe he was just doing normal, or yeah, know, not not normal. But maybe he was just <laughs> doing like sciency dissection type stuff. But right. you know, anyway, like I, I get I get more of a sense that even if it wasn't the desired plan or the primary plan, mm-hmm. it was part of the plan or a possible plan. Like you yeah, know, again, a contingency sort of from the beginning, uh, or at least from the point where you know, Walsh knew about Buffy and considered bringing her in like that, that she yeah. was thinking about, well, if it doesn't work out, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Here's what we do. We bump her off. And, right. Um, obviously that doesn't work. So I, I guess no. I would say, so in that respect, I, I think I would agree with you in, in the sense of, that she's not a big bad in the way the mayor or even like angel or well angelus i guess is Uh in that like she's not looking for wanton destruction or you know she's not necessarily looking to like become a demon and eat lots of people or whatever yeah like you know there's definitely more of a sciencey aspect but but it's also uh it's you know like the creepy scientist (laughs) you know aspect of it it's it's yeah you know i I'm in the pursuit of science, but like I've gone too far with it. Um, yeah. You know, kind of thing. Like it's the sort of science that leads to the atomic bomb. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. It's not science that leads to nuclear energy. <laughs> right. Even though, you know, it uses the same principle, you know, both of those things use the same sure. principles. One is, you know, life enhancing, and the other is clearly not. So. Uh, you know, that's, that's the sort of, that's the sort of big bad where I think she could have become. Yeah. She never gets there. No, definitely. Right. Right. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, yeah, well, I mean, the, the potential for that kind of destruction is definitely there and she certainly crosses a whole bunch of lines, you know, like even in this episode, we get 
you know, kind of proof of what sort of lengths she's willing to go to, you know, whether, I mean, with, with killing Buffy and, and lying to Riley, you know, about it. Um, and, but even just like the creepy camera setup she's got going on in his bedroom, like what the heck is that? Yeah. Like, (laughs) well, like, so here's what I was wondering, right? Okay. So just on the, on the creepy, you know, big brothery type stuff. (laughs) So, I mean, obviously she has, and okay, they're part of the military, you know, I guess, I don't know that he would like being filmed, but, like, you could also, like, I could see Riley coming to terms with that just because, you know, given his sort of militaristic, sure, you know, taking orders attitude, like, okay, well, you must have a good reason to have video and audio in my bedroom. But, like, then why didn't she go, like, into her office and watch the monitor's there that she has set up when she sends Buffy out instead of the ones sure. that are right in the middle of like the laboratory floor right. where no. like just that whole out scene public, where she's like sipping looking coffee around. and like yeah like did anybody see Buffy just get killed on these huge screens right in front of me yeah it's like come on yeah anyway I don't know we are talking late 90s early 2000 technology here as well so I don't know sure. maybe somehow that was the only monitors to which the communication cameras were hooked up. No, to. but I think I think I think the impression is not meant. You know, could you imagine Riley, the good soldier, doing something distasteful under orders? Yes, I don't know that that's what this is meant to be, though. Like the the impression I get is that she's like doing whatever she wants really (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. you know and and like and just like you said like the kind of casualness of it you know it's like not something that she's doing like you know because you know she has to and she's going to be as discreet about it as but it's like no like it's just this is the setup and I'm in charge and I'm just going to sit here and you know Sip coffee yeah. and watch whatever it is, whether it's them sleeping together or whether it's Buffy getting killed. Like, it's all just part of the job. Yeah. Um, and, and there's no real, like, you know, a little bit of, like, you know, some some kind of looks that say, oh, it's a shame that things went this way. But other than that, no real remorse or, like, any emotion, you know, or even any embarrassment or guilt over invading anybody's privacy or like no don't get any of that you know she's just so kind of bland about the whole thing you know so i think we're meant to read a lot into her about that one one other thing i would say sort of along all these lines is like we don't know we don't know her objective really i mean other than clearly she was making adam but we don't know what her purpose or whatever was i'm guessing it failed because I'm sure her purpose wasn't that it would, you know, that Adam would wake up and kill her. Right. So like, I mean, to whatever end she was working, that clearly did not come about. Um, We also don't know if that purpose is her own or if it's coming down from some, you know, this is a military institution. Right. Quite possible that she's working under someone else's orders as well. So, um, and, and not even possible, but, you know, likely, <laughs> like mm-hmm. probable, um, you know, or at least 
extremely feasible. Like, or she may be rogue. She might be, she might be in charge of this institution, but doing something that it wasn't meant to do. And a maybe, rogue demon, yeah, maker. A rogue demon maker, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, I mean, there's there's a number of possibilities there. Like, there, it's just, it's not enough to just say she's bad because she made Adam and now he's awakened killing people starting with her. Like it's, you know, they're clearly, she must've had some objective in yeah. mind and, yeah. and it, it's reasonable to wonder what that objective was and, and whose ultimate objective was it? Was it her, her own, you know, in spite of whatever order she has, or was it part of the orders that she's been given? Yeah. in running this institution. Right. And why are they here on in Sunnydale where there's a hell mouth? You know, like Right. Was it precisely so they could get lots of demony parts and put them mm. together in yeah. pu- puzzle piece ways. Um Yeah. Well, and and so let's talk about Adam, who's what is behind the door to room 314. Um Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing we knew before was that whatever was back there, the demons were all afraid of it, you know? So to find that it's another demon, you know, is kind of interesting. Um, And, you know, that makes me wonder if the objective might have been to sort of engineer a demon so, you know, terrifying that he would take care of all the other demons or something. I'm just speculating, you know? Yeah. or or was it just that it's, you know, it's just like thoughts of Frankenstein's monster. Like, it's kind of horrific to think about, you know, parts of humans being put together in ways they're not meant to be. So maybe it's just even yeah. the situation. Or it could just be rumored. Right. It could be one of those things where nobody really knows what it is, but it's really terrible and secretive. And by virtue of its secretness, it becomes even more terrifying. Even more terrifying, yeah. yeah. Um. And so, and it also wasn't clear to me whether Adam was meant to be, well, first of all, the name Adam is interesting, you know, <laughs> so you kind of have this first of a new, it's, you know, yeah. species or whatever, you know, a new type yeah. of being. Um, and it wasn't totally clear to me whether he is fully made up of demon parts or is there some human in there too because it kind of seems like there are certain bits of him that seem more human than some other demons we've seen so um i don't know whether you can answer that or not but i wasn't uh totally able to tell and i don't know if that's yeah um i'll say we get an answer to that at some point i won't okay. i won't say one way or the other but um but yeah and definitely got the kind of Frankenstein thing, like, because we learn about the demon who has, like, they say, don't, you know, don't damage their arms, you know, because, you know, and then you see that he has those same sort of spikes coming out of his arms, so, you know, it's like they've taken bits of things and put them together, you know, all the, all the, all the really deadly bits or whatever go into Adam. Right, and and so you get the answer to, you know, Buffy's questioning of why can't we damage why these can't, parts yeah, yeah. is... Because we want to use them to attach to this other demon thing that we're creating in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess, um, 
so besides just kind of and and then you know so we see him kind of wake up and kill wash so the other thing which is interesting besides the you know deadliness of him is the kind of weird affection that Walsh has for him you know at least she does I don't know whether uh the other scientist does or whatever but um but she kind of says like how's our baby doing today and you know she kind of talks to him like lovingly like you know it's almost time to wake up Adam and take your first look at the world I know you're gonna make me proud and then he you know wakes up and kills her later and says mama <laughs> so you get this weird like uh kind of mother-son bond between the two of them um yeah well i mean so he said his first word is mommy right so yeah um so in talking about that mm. i would also like to point out so when willow and xander and anya and Buffy and Riley and all them are in the bronze. Mm. Uh, Buffy and Riley and the team all get paged. And Riley says, Mother wants us. That's our cue, Mother wants us. Oh. So I did not hear that. Oh my gosh. It's very it's very quick. And I actually you know, double I double checked the the script to you know, the transcript to make sure I was hearing You heard it, it right. right. Yeah. Um, Interesting. You know, I missed that line, but there were a couple times where that occurred to me about Walsh and Riley. You know, not quite as blatant, but... I And I forget if there were particular lines that jumped out to me, but, like, certain things which kind of suggested a certain amount of like parental relationship between the two. Um, even now, just the way now, at the wait, end. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me just step back to say Walsh is not actually his mother. So no. yeah, yeah. Like, I just want to be clear. Like I'm not suggesting that like there's a biological connection, I, but it's, yeah, but I didn't think that. Yeah. Metaphorical. Yeah. You know, connection. I mean, just their last names are, you know, he's Riley Thins. Right. Know, right. Maggie Walsh, but yeah, I mean, I suppose that doesn't necessarily mean you know they're not, but right, yeah, a, no, I don't, I wasn't really thinking that necessarily, um, yeah, but like but even is, just the way she kind of calls at him at the end when he leaves and she's calling him Agent Finn and he you know disobeys his orders and then she says Riley, like you know, like that switching to that you know first name basis you know a little bit and and then afterwards she's kind of talking about like she kind of hopes to win him back a little bit like you know he'll see like we'll make him understand and and she kind of hopes that he will you know she'll take him out if she, if she needs to but you know hope it won't come to that and so it seems like at least from her end there was some kind of affection for him or at least expected to have loyalty like personal loyalty to her yeah. and everything so i missed the mother thing but i did kind of think there might be some parallels between adam and riley in the way that walsh is sort of thinking of them as you know sort of metaphorical sons or pseudo children or something yeah um 
Yeah, no, and there's definitely, I think all along we get that, you know, he's sort of a favorite of hers, right? Um, like a little more so than you would expect either a professor and a student who aren't yeah. in a, you know, sexual relationship, because that does happen right. too. But, um, sure. you know, or even, a, you know, a, a, you know, sort of military subordinate or whatever, like there, that there was something more than either of those two uh, relationships would kind of suggest. So, yeah. Um, and the whole, there's this sort of, you know, parental thing to the whole, you know, getting the approval from the parent kind of thing too, with her, you know, testing Buffy and, yep. you know, all of the, all of the things that go on there. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it, like Buffy's anxiety about she hates me and Riley saying, no, no, she likes yeah. you, I promise. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or even like, you know, the awkward, you know, making of a joke and, you know, not mm. really understanding it as a joke kind of thing, you know, those little things that are like the sort of things you would kind of take into uh, yeah. consideration with, with a, you know, meeting a significant other, you know, and a parent. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't want to make too much of that, but like it's notable yeah. that Riley uses that word mother, um, yeah. even if it is sort of quick and off the cuff and, um, you know, that it's Adam's first word and mm. the last word of the episode. <laughs> um so yeah anyway uh so with Walsh so mm. the you know the attempt I, well okay so we get you know her testing Buffy and all of that we kind of talked about that a little bit and and we get her approval yeah. um and I mean it's pretty darn quick from there to we need to get rid of her. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's like a day. Right. You know, like, and those are kind of extreme. Yeah. We're going to let her in on the biggest secret that, you know. <laughs> right. The military has in Sunnydale to we need to kill her. Um, yeah. But that's where she gets to. Yeah. Um, and that's why the impression to me was it was as much about the asking of those questions as it was about, you know, being impressed with what she can do, you know, like, you know, just the fact that, you know, Buffy isn't just going to take these orders that they've let her in and she won't even just, you know, do what she's told or quietly go with the flow. You know, she asks like a little kid, she asks why with everything. Um, and, you know, and as Walsh is sort of spying on them in the bedroom, she's even prompting Riley to start asking these questions too. You know, like right. she's saying to him, like, you know, it's kind of weird that you don't question anything. Don't you really want to know what's going on? And she even starts to ask about room 314 and the phone rings. So, um, you know, Again, not that that excuses the quick turnaround, but that to me seemed like that's as dangerous as anything she can physically do is, you know, her kind of want, her wanting to know more than she should. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really have anything to add. <laughs> um, well, and I guess, so, like, with Riley, like, the, um, I guess the shift we see with him at the end is, you know, that disobeying of his orders, you know, and, you know, walking out on Walsh and leaving, you know, the initiative. Um, because we see how, you know, regimented he is that he takes his vitamins exactly at the same time every morning and, you know, has been around the initiative for, you know, months, presumably, you know, if not longer, and never got as far in terms of the questioning as Buffy gets in like a day. <laughs> so, you know, to have him completely disobey Walsh and walk out at the end, um, you know, that's a pretty big step for his character too. Like, you know, if Walsh pushed, you know, uh, you know, went over the villain line pretty far, you know, Mm -hmm. It pushes Riley into making a pretty extreme decision for him. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's, I mean, it goes along, though, I think, with what we've seen with Riley in that he's a pretty genuine guy. And, like, you know, we get we get his sort of explanations um, to Buffy that he doesn't ask questions because he knows they're doing good and he knows they're, you know fighting evil and this and that but like the minute the second literally that he finds out that that's not actually what's going on he walks out you know what i mean yeah. so like like i think it's yeah and not to say integrity. that not to say that that wasn't sort of rash you know whatever but i think it the fact that it was kind of rash and it was going with yeah. his emotion rather than his thought or his instinct to follow authority Mm -hmm. uh is sort of significant and yeah and also not to say that he won't you know i mean there there will be repercussions of it obviously you know for him psychologically as well as perhaps you know tensions with the other people in the initiative who are still alive so like right. you know it's not to say that it won't have any effects you know on various aspects of his life but the fact that he does just sort of walk out and um, you know, doesn't doesn't take that like he he breaks that authority thing that seems to be a big part of his life, you know, because yeah. of what happens. So, um, I think that's you know again we can see that as Riley being Riley. You know, it's it's yeah. it's him. He does he's not. You know, I mean, yes, okay. So he's a student by day and working for a super secret government organization at night but like beyond that he doesn't lie you know about who yeah. he is like you know he's yeah he's just sort of what you see is what you get um so yeah it's nice that there wasn't any real like angst over the decision he just sort of learns what he learns and that's it makes it very simple um yeah so no he's He's good. He, he is backing up, unlike Parker. He is practicing what he preaches, you know, and, like, it's not just empty words. He sort of, you know, is 
has the integrity which he, you know, tells Buffy that he has. So yeah, it's good that to is see. a great scene though. Like, I, so I mean, I'm I've never been a huge fan of Walsh anyway. I mean, and not just because sure. like I knew all along she was a villain. I didn't know obviously the first time I was watching this through. Yeah, like even just her character always kind of bugged me. Um, but that is a great scene when she's like telling Riley, you know, lying to him about what happened and Buffy comes on the screen yeah, above yeah. her and he's like, you can see like his eyes flicking back and forth. Like, yeah, the, something here is not computing and yeah, like he doesn't say anything and Walsh just keeps like lengthening her on rope kind of, you know, and, um, yeah you know he just is like this is confusing um <laughs> yeah like what's going on here uh but yeah to the point of you know buffy's like if you thought two demons were going to defeat me <laughs> like you really yeah. don't know what it means to be a slayer like yeah um which goes back to i you know is I don't know if it's an intentional callback or not, but like just even going back to when Riley first learns like that she's a slayer and he's like, okay, so what does that mean? Like, right. I, I don't have any clue what that means, but like, you know, Forrest and Walsh seem to sort of know what it means. But again, it's like they haven't really done their homework or, you know, in this case, Walsh certainly hasn't like, it's like, okay, you can dismantle my team in 28 seconds, but, like, and there were, like, what, six guys there? But, yeah. like, you know, it takes that many guys to take down two of my demons, so two should be good to, you know, right. take care of you, kind of. Like, she's yeah. thinking in, like, you know, one or She's thinking sort of, like, Buffy as a multiple of, like, a person right, you know like right. two or three people whereas like she's really like exponential you know it's like this is she's way far above and we even get that like Buffy has been holding back and being modest and all that like you know we get those several clues like with Riley where you know they're sparring or even in this episode where you know she says to Riley she's like you know I was just being modest right I really did sort of kick everyone's butt here <laughs> like yeah yeah you know it's it's like Buffy obviously knows that she's way more capable than anyone even there knows. Um, yeah. And, per- and perhaps even still more than she even knows, but like Walsh is not even like, and it's funny too. Cause like, you know, Walsh is the one who said sort of all along, you know, I, I think you could, you know, be great or, you know, I'm only hard on the ones who like deserve it, but it's like, she's even underestimating Buffy. Like, yeah. You know, she's strong woman, you know, rah rah, go get, you know, <laughs> kick butt. But like even she's underestimating what Buffy can do. So it's it's just kind of yeah, I guess well, in a way they, ironic and, and whatever. But Well like yeah, like Riley never even heard of the Slayer. Walsh and Forrest have, but even with Walsh, you still had that that she thought we thought you were a myth, you were a myth taken, you know, like even right. what she knows of Buffy is sort of fuzzy and, you know, more based on just the rumor and the legend. She doesn't, you know, 
actually know, you know, mm -hmm. or maybe do doesn't even totally believe what Buffy's capable of, you know, uh, you know, and even with the evidence of seeing that she can beat up the guys, like you said, like, you know, well, you know, clearly a couple demons should be more than enough. Mm -hmm. So yeah, totally underestimates her. Um, yeah. And, and it has that sort of like the sort of classic trope of like the disconnect between science and the real world. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, what's the laboratory, you know, conditions versus what you might actually face out in the field kind of thing, even sure. though at the same time they've been in the field because they're capturing these things. But Walsh herself doesn't really understand that part of it either. And we've yeah. talked about her own, you know, Walsh going up against, you know, the werewolves or, or you know, yeah. the, you know, different, uh, like even with Giles, like last week, it's like, right, right. you know, this demon <laughs> comes running down the street and she goes yeah. running off screaming. Like, yeah, she has no clue really yeah. about these things. And um, so it is, I mean, in a way it's kind of risible uh, that she thinks that would happen, you know, that, that Buffy would be able to be taken care of by those things. And that like, even that Buffy would need a weapon, like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, take a weapon because there's no precautions. But Buffy's like, well, you know, she's just as good fighting with no weapons, you know, right. as with a weapon. And in some cases, even better, you know, than if yeah. she had a weapon. So it's, it's, you know, just one of those things where it's like, you, you really don't, like Buffy says, you really don't understand what a Slayer is, if that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, to kind of move beyond the initiative stuff, mm -hmm. um, I think, I mean, is there any other, um, I don't, I mean, we get sort of the introduction of a few of the other guys, the initiative yeah, guys, no, so like no. Willow and them, but. Uh, no, we can move on. Um, so well, what, well, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, no, actually, I mean, there's, like, the Spike stuff, too, with the initiative. So, like, well, right. we get the beta team spots, sort of serendipitously for them, spite, spots Spike mm -hmm. and chases after him, gets him with the tracer, um, <laughs> which is a great setup, you know, after Spike totally rejecting Giles and making him pay up yeah. on his you know money so now he needs them i love that scene too where giles like makes him sweat it out like yeah why why should we help you again you know exactly yeah <laughs> um and finally uh gets him to admit that he only did it to you know for the money um yeah yeah i don't yeah, i mean gets him to pay him back hey fair's fair yeah you know other than that though like i mean like, okay, they recognize them and they chase them away. I don't know that there's a ton of stuff to say about all of that um, other than just that they they recognize Spike, so no, and they're still and, looking for him. You know, he's, and it, he's, it answers the very sensible question of why is Spike staying in Sunnydale? <laughs> you know, because he wants to get fixed. You know, he wants to be back to his old life and get rid of, you know, figure out what they did to him. And he's not leaving until he does. So, um, you know, so he's yeah. not, he, he's moved out. He has his own crypt now. And he's right. trying to sever ties and not be in their debt and tell them not to come to him if they need anything. 
you know, of course he comes running to them when he needs something, and I assume he'll continue to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, it makes, it makes sense for why, uh, you know, he's staying in a place where he knows there are people who can kind of, you know, get on his case easily, you know, because he wants to be around, you know, for when they figure out how to get rid of this chip or whatever. So that makes sense. Sure. Um, but it's like, you have to wonder, like, how does he think that's going to happen without him getting captured again? You know what I mean? Like, right. There's... Yeah, I don't know what his plan is to do this. <laughs> right, like, well, that's what I mean. Like, it's, uh, okay, so there's got to be something going on here. But anyway, yeah. um, regardless, mm-hmm. one way or the other, we do get that whole that whole thing, which is kind of kind of funny. But, um, but yeah, I don't know that there's much to say other than it sort of, it just sort of becomes an excuse for Walsh to send Riley away. Right. And, you know, to go help with that search. Um, yeah. So the other big thing with Buffy then is her relationship with Willow. So, yeah. Uh, last week we got Giles being the one who was sort of feeling left out of the group, uh, and sort of saw what happened there with him. Mm. Now we get Willow being the Mm. one who's sort of feeling left out. And, Mm. um, becomes a bit of a theme this season of yeah like the being sure you know the 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 how do you stay together you know if, if we're talking beyond metaphor of the week you know metaphor of the season is how do you once you go off to college and it's harder yeah. to sort of hang out with the high school crowd still right and yeah um so you know we're kind of seeing all of these different different perspectives of that and now we get willow with um, you know, her own feelings and, and feeling left out. And, um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, what do, what do you have for any of that? I guess. Um, well, and I think too, it's made more complicated too by, um, you know, she's not, she doesn't say anything about, you know, um, the breakup with Oz, but you know, that's back there too. You know, that, you know, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, you know, Xander's got a steady girlfriend now. And of course now Buffy has a new boyfriend who she's all kind of excited and smitten over and everything. So it kind of highlights Willow's loneliness that not only is the group not quite the same as it used to be, but she's the only one who's unattached, right? Like everyone's getting spanked, but me. (laughs) And she's kind of wistful as she says it. Um, So she has to like, you know, (laughs) play, you know, play cards, you know, force herself to kind of play cards and make nice with Anya or kind of try to convince Buffy and coax Buffy to come out and hang with the group like she used to and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, we do get, um, this budding friendship with Tara. Um, and that was interesting. Like, you know, I kind of wanted to bop Willow for a second when, you know, cause you just know that she's not going to invite Tara and then regret it. <laughs> so, yeah. 
you know, and, and I felt kind of bad for Tara in that moment, the way, I mean, and I've been there too. I'm not going to judge Willow. You know, I've, I've, we've all been there where, you know, we, you feel like you want to associate with a particular crowd, which is, you know, the core crowd. And, and maybe there's a friend which you like, but which maybe doesn't necessarily fit in with the crowd that you're reluctant. You know, we've all had that experience. So, but it is a little yeah. frustrating. On, when, on one side or the other. <laughs> on both. Uh, and I've been on both, you know. Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, but you do kind of want to, like, uh, you know, it is frustrating because, you know, she says, um, you know, like, it, it's a kind of a specific crowd. You might feel out of place. And it's like, on the one hand, I understand why she's saying that. On the other hand, I'm going, she's a witch. Like, you're hanging out with her because of magical stuff. Like, actually, I think she's right up the Scooby's alley. Like, you know, um, mm. and it's and it's that sense of, you know, I, I think that's an excuse. Like, it's not that Tara is, doesn't have things in common with the Scoobies or that she wouldn't feel right among them. It's that Willow still kind of has the Scoobies as this sort of idealized group of friends you know and is kind of not quite ready to learn how to move beyond that like either to move on or how to include other people you know how to kind of grow that into something different um so you know kind of interesting that she used that as an excuse i think i think she's you know in a little bit of denial there but um yeah, and she recognizes that later. I mean, she Yeah, no, know, she does. Yeah. The ironic thing is, you know, or, or irony can be ironic like that, right? Yes. Yeah, is, yeah. is what she says is she she realizes that she's wrong. So, you know, I think No, she I think definitely you're right. does. Like it, you know, in that moment of you know, denying her uh, you know, denying Tara the opportunity to go out it or hang out or whatever, like um yeah. You know, it's there's definitely, it's definitely, you're right, like, it's Willow doing this idealized thing. And then, you know, even, even sort of in, you know, like, her conversation with Buffy, where she's like, you know, well, I, I could have invited someone. Again, we get lying about, yeah, you know, what she means. Like, you know, you get the, you get, uh, you know, coupled with, like, the earlier lie. You know, I was, I was in the science lab all by myself yeah <laughs> when in fact you weren't you were with tara not in the science lab so right um both of those things were not even true but like um and then again like with the coming in you know at the in the morning in the morning with right. your bed still made and everything and right you know just sort of divert the subject and that guy so like <clears throat> willow definitely is in some sort of denial or you know, and that's, you know, on the one sense, like, okay, you're not sure what's going on here, so you don't want to say anything. But on the other hand, it it's like, well, what's, that kind of makes it more significant in a way. Like, right. the yeah. fact that you are willing to sort of lie about it to, like, even your best friends and stuff. Like, of you know, like you said, it's like of the people who would even understand that there is a connection there because of the Wicca thing and and... Right, and, and I'm not are... quite sure yet 
I'm not quite sure yet why. And maybe, well, I was going to say, I'm not quite sure yet why she feels like she needs to lie about it. But maybe the kind of scene where she doesn't invite her tells us that there's, there's still this sense of, you know, as nice as Willow's being to Tara, is Tara still kind of the weird kid? You know, like, like the same way the Wicca group kind of, you know, was not real respectful of her or her opinion. You know, like, mm. you know, is it, is it that? Is it she, is it she feels that she isn't quite, you know, Scooby material? Um, you know, but it could also just be Willow's own insecurities. Like, I wonder if she thinks if she makes a friend outside of the group, whether that might spell the end of the group. You know, like, if we, if, if Buffy's got her boyfriend and her initiative over there, and Xander's got Anya over there, and then Willow's got Tara over there, that the Scooby group might just sort of disintegrate. So she doesn't want to, like, pursue that because she's afraid you know things won't be the same anymore and maybe it's both and maybe there's other things going on too but you know it's just weird because she's not talking about it so I don't know why <laughs> so I don't quite know yet what the problem is like why why Tara is being sort of held back from the others um, so yeah and I don't think there's a good answer. Like, I don't think Willow yeah, knows, yeah. you know, like, right, I, I yeah. think that's, I don't think that there necessarily is a good reason sure. for any of that. So like, it's, it's one of those things where I don't know that we ever get a clear answer on that, mm -hmm. but it's, it's just sort of, yeah, in the acting, like in, in the sort of uncomfortableness and Willow sort of, yeah, keeping, either trying to keep the world separate, you mm. know, just because that's what people do. You know, you have your college friends and you have your high school friends and you have your friends you make after college and you have, you know, these different segments of your life. And yeah, sometimes those transition, like you might have a few friends who are in multiple groups and stuff, but like there is sort of this natural, you know, you think about worlds colliding and it's like you have your work friends and you have your you know, old high school friends and this and that. So, like, it might just be that sort of thing. That's just what people do. But it also might, I, well, I almost said might be more conscious. I don't know that it is that conscious, but, like, it it might just be more of a, like, like you were saying, like, she's, she holds the Scooby team in such a idealized fashion that mm. that there is this hesitance to bring any anyone or anything else into it and so like that might even be why she's sort of jealous of Anya too like yeah it's not even I mean part of it might be that you know Xander has a girlfriend and you know Oz has skipped town so like mm -hmm. you know there there might be that aspect to it as well but like mm -hmm. also it might just be like it's you know why are you bringing this new person into our group right kind of thing right. when it should be the old soul triptych, me, you, and Buffy. Sure. Um, you know the original three kind of thing. So, yeah. and and that is the 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 irony of the ironic part of the irony is that in doing that, 
that's what keeps her sort of isolated. You know, that, mm -hmm. you know, to she would be doing herself a favor maybe to bring in, you know, like if, if, if the group is expanding, if, if Xander's bringing in Anya and Buffy's bringing in Riley, you know, then Willow can only be, you know, more connected to the group, I think, if she were to also, you know, bring in Tara or somebody from the outside, you know, that yeah. by kind of, looking to keep the group exclusive, she's kind of cutting herself off, you know? And I think she does realize that, you know, at the end that, you know, she did have the chance to invite somebody and she didn't take it, you know? Right. And that's right. what, you know, hence the kind of loneliness in the bronze. Um, so, yeah, no, so to her credit, she, you know, kind of is learning that lesson, I think, by the end. She still has yet to introduce Tara to the group, but um, maybe we're yeah. closer. Yeah, and is and like we said, it's still and sort still of lying yeah yeah. Like it's not even like Lie they know omission, that there's this yeah. person named Tara, right? You know who Willow's hanging out with. They right. Don't she know just anything. like doesn't say anything. Yeah. Um, although I think at this point Buffy suspects something. Like I, I mean, she's yeah. I mean, by this point, it's more the lie of omission, like out all night you too okay we're not going to talk about it <laughs> like but right. she was somewhere you know so right and it's yeah. i mean willow clearly knows where buffy was but she right. point pointedly doesn't tell buffy where she was where she was so um, yeah uh so speaking of tara tries to give willow apparently some kind of really rare right. heirloom thing um yeah. and we already know that like tara has said like very earnestly that willow is special and that she can mm -hmm. sort of tell how much power she has and stuff so yeah an interesting gesture i guess um yeah a meaningful one to her and and i mean obviously you know willow or uh, tara you know she stutters and she's kind of shy and we've seen mm -hmm. that she she's not really one to assert herself so it's like that sort of thing seems even more significant, right? You know, yeah. when it's like, you know, with someone like that, who's not really used to reaching out to other people, you know, mm -hmm. is willing to give something up that is clearly very precious to her and has been in her family for some time or whatever. Um, yeah. And again, the reminder of how magic goes back in her family, you know, that they have these sort of magical heirlooms and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, and is, you know, a little bit embarrassed but nice about it when <laughs> when Willow turns it down. Um, you know, she doesn't she she doesn't take it too hard. You know, although you know, yeah, I think that is a big gesture for her. So, you know, probably it it might cut a little bit more deeply than she's saying. You know that Willow doesn't accept it but yeah yeah that's the problem with nice shy people who are like introverted is right. you you may not necessarily know how how much they're affected yeah. by something like that right right um, but she seems happy to see um willow when she turns up like there isn't any resentment that we see either for not accepting the gift or for getting like not invited to mm -hmm 
hang out with her earlier, you know. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. No, she she's gracious about it. And yeah. Invites Willow in. And they hang out together. They hang out doing whatever they're doing. Apparently for a while. So. Yeah. Um, oh, man, we're getting kind of at time here. So, uh, I mean, that was, th those were the main things there. We already kind of talked about Giles and Spike and their interactions. Any, mm -hmm. any other thoughts on Giles? I didn't really have much for Giles this time. No, I have to be honest. Um, yeah. And there's, not I just, whole... I love the, I just, <laughs> we'll talk about Xander for a minute, but, uh, when he eats Xander's, you know, protein bar, <laughs> please leave my home now. I <laughs> feel like that's, home. I could use that. That's a useful quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, and speaking yeah, of no, Xander, I... he does have a new job this week. Um, right. Like every right. week It's like now. every time we see him, he's every got time, a new... Like for the last couple episodes, it's been like every single week. So he's selling like these boost bars, which yeah. like... He only sells like one of them, and then he like eats the rest of them. So he's You're like, right. he's the only one who course. enjoys eating them, <laughs> which is just typical. Yeah. Um, and hawking them off to Giles, like he's his dad, like you know, yeah, like yeah. like getting your dad to buy your like candy or Girl Scout cookies or something, like you know, yeah. oh, not oh, actually selling them. Oh, you know, Con you have intimate Considering my daughter's in Girl Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly You, like, what that's support like. all of her, yeah. you know, cookie sales and everything. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's pretty uh, pretty funny. Um, and, and of course, we get the, the sort of classic explanation to Anya of why he's doing this. You know, she's yeah. like, oh, you're not, you're not spending time with me, and I'm annoyed. And he's... <laughs> Let me put it in a way you'll understand. Sell bars, make money, take Anya nice places, buy pretty things. That does make sense. Yeah. Okay, I'll support you. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, and she says to Giles, you know, like, tell him it's to buy me pretty things. He'll understand. And then he does, and it actually works. Yeah, he's just like, oh, my God. Um, he's just like, so, well, if you're going to be that honest about it, I guess, you know. Knowing Anya's personality, it may not be a surprise that she will take that idea and run with it sure. uh, even further. Um, and we've wondered sort of how Anya is making a living at this point. Yeah. Um, she clearly doesn't understand, like, money and what it's all about. Yeah. So, you know, there is that question of, like, what exactly does she do or how does she support herself? But, yeah. Um, anyway. Um, um, I guess the other little thing with Anya too is she's kind of aware of you know the initiative and how they might feel about her as an ex-demon you know she says she, I choose to feel threatened um and kind of wanders away from them in the bronze like she doesn't really want to hang around with them too much yeah so we're, um, we're going to dance over there yeah so we haven't had any real interaction but like she could potentially be on the hit list, you know, if they ever found out about her, you know, um, you know, she doesn't have any powers, but I mean, I don't know that they would really care about that. So, um, yep. so we shall see if that goes anywhere. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
but yeah, no, just more more with Anya, sort of not fully understanding what it means to be human or how to act appropriately. <laughs> um, yeah, which is all always fun. Um, but anyway, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, overall, like it's a uh, it's obviously an important sort of plot heavy episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a lot of little character stuff, or whatever. Um, I like I said, I've never been a huge fan of Walsh, so yeah, kind of you know getting to that point where she's no longer part of the show. Yeah, is, I can't okay say I'm me. sorry to see the back of her either. I mean, and and you're right, not just because she's like a bad guy, because there are bad guys that we enjoy, you know, but like. Uh, there's something I don't know if it's something in the way the actor there's she's not very compelling um so yeah um I'm I'm I'll happily exchange her for Adam (laughs) he seems a little bit more uh entertaining at least um yeah I mean we'll see we'll see see what kind of shenanigans he gets up to but um all right well, on to Doctor Who, I guess. Uh, speaking of shenanigans. <laughs> speaking of shenanigans. <laughs> the Almost People. Um, let's talk about the Almost Doctor first. Okay. And the And the not Almost Doctor. Uh-huh. That didn't quite come out right because <laughs> it's the Doctor. The Doctor. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so... Uh, intro. I guess I'll I'll start at the end as well. So like we get this switcheroo thing, mm-hmm. which um, we talked a little bit last week about how I'm not a big fan of these like you know who is who you know double yeah sort of shows or plots or episodes or whatever. Um, <coughs> It was a little less confusing this time around, but then again, we still get some of this with the Doctor primarily, yeah. of, you know, the which which one is which, and like I, I I would like to say that like I was always watching them to sort of see which one was which, but I was never clear like to begin with anyway. So sure. Like, well, and the only distinguishing sort of like, thing they have is the shoes, which you well, can hardly say, even say, you know. I was going to say, like, there's this, like, significant shot of, like, their shoes, but then I'm like, but I don't know that, like, I know which one has the right shoes or not. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, like right. I don't know. I, it's just I don't pay attention to that stuff that right, much. So, right. like, I'm sure people who were paying attention, but then, like, you also never get any shots of their shoes after that so like for us it's like well what does it matter that you just showed us their shoes right because who cares they're you don't ever see their shoes again so how's that supposed to help me (laughs) um the point being though yeah uh that the doctor and the ganger doctor the almost doctor Mm. uh switch places um you know, uh, with respect to Amy primarily, because, like, nobody else really cares, it seems like. I mean... (laughs) Right, yeah. um, I mean, there is sort of the moment of where they're like, okay, you, the presumably fake doctor, you know, 
we don't trust you, so stay over here. Um, yeah. But then I guess in that moment, it actually is the real doctor who's doing that. I guess I'm right. not entirely clear on what point they switch either. Right. Um, so, you know, I was never too clear on that either, but I think in going through it again this time that by then, I think they have to have switched because when Amy follows the what she thinks is the ganger doctor outside... And this I, this doesn't totally make sense to me because I I can't imagine why the real doctor oh when he would like be, is shaking her and when like he, grabbing yeah. her I can't imagine why the real doctor would be affected in that way by the gangers and the the ganger doctor wouldn't be but it has to be the real doctor because at the end the real doctor knows about the death and the invitations. And he knows it because Amy tells him, thinking he's the ganger doctor. And I never really caught that before, but I did this time. So that, to me, confirms that they must have switched by then. Um, yeah. So, yeah, why, why the real doctor's getting, like, you know, uh, feelings from the gangers and the ganger doctor isn't, I haven't the faintest idea. Yeah, Why well, and and that's what I actually came to that same conclusion, not quite as in depth as you did, but um, that that it must have been the real doctor who got that really intense, yeah, you know, signal or whatever. Um, and I couldn't like I was trying to think of why that would be as well, but it didn't really make sense because yeah, when he goes back in, the doctor that's still sitting down who presumably mm. is the ganger doctor is like yeah i felt it but not as intensely as you and it's like well mm. why why wouldn't you feel it right at least as intensely if not more so and i i just don't know yeah so, i don't either i mean the only thing i can think of is that it's still something of like when the doctor was like testing the flesh and felt it reaching out to him that it's more like the flesh communicating with him how they're feeling you know so maybe that that's the kind of best i can do <laughs> yeah yeah because none of the other flesh people seem that seem like that yeah so you know um whether that makes sense i don't know but anyway that my my point being it seems like they switched the shoes pretty early on um, right um, and so basically from the beginning, it's the other way around. And so, yeah, like you don't get any, like, yeah, you don't know when that happened, but like, um, the other thing I was going to say is that like you, you get the, the, um, well, see now it makes it harder to talk about which one is which. I know, right? <laughs> like, the one posing as the ganger doctor, who's actually uh -huh. the real doctor. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, I, so, oh, man, I lost my train of thought now because I'm, I'm like, trying to keep them straight and, <laughs> like, which one. I think, I think uh, you know, with regard to Amy, so, you know, you get this whole, you know, she can tell which one's the real doctor and whatever. Oh, and this is where I was going to go. So, like, you, you don't get the explanation until the end of that of the doctor saying 
you know, that I need, he, he's like, I needed to go back and see the flesh in the early days, mm-hmm. you know, so I could study it. And, you know, I was going to drop you off so you could have fish and chips and whatever, blah, 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 and then come back. But yeah. um, he said something about he wanted to make sure, uh, to, he wanted to see if he could tell the difference, yeah. you know, between himself and the fake doctor and the ganger doctor. Yeah. Uh, and what you don't get and what you kind of have to put two and two together, like between that and the the fact that he intentionally went back to see the mm-hmm. flesh in the early days um, is that he must have been trying to find out if he could tell a difference between Amy and the ganger Amy. Yeah. Um, the point being that he couldn't. Which right. kind of is what brings him to the conclusion that, so therefore she must be a ganger. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, which is kind of, I mean, logically that's not a valid conclusion, but that's like where sure. he goes with it, right? Like there's, you know, there's a, a sense there that, um, it, you know, that that test confirms for him something that actually can't be confirmed. So um, right. kind of a funny way of doing that, but... Uh, a very doctory way of doing it. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, I, I mean, so he clearly had his suspicions, right? At this point. Yes, I and think I guess so. that that question is when he started getting those suspicions, and I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I'm not necessarily looking to answer that question right here. Sure. Might not be answerable even, but um, just yeah. That. I mean, I, I would. I, you know, I would say it's like he starts wondering what's going on as soon as he sees the positive, negative, positive, negative, you know, pregnancy scan. Sure. And then, sure. and then while in the midst they're having random adventures, he's sort of maybe looking into possibilities of what could be going on, you know, yeah. and maybe he comes across, you know, the flesh. So he's going to go check that out yeah. because that seems like a likely, you know. So at it some like point a he kind of yeah. works out that this is probably what's going on, but he'd like to have a little bit more intel on how it works, and uh, can he tell the difference, and what is the connection between Amy and a ganger, you know? Um, right, and so sort of sussing out that if she's in a, a, you know, in a harness or whatever of some type, that, like, she's actually unconscious to what's going on around her right and that the experiences that you that her ganger is having is what's sort of being fed back to her kind of thing. right which right. is the appropriate way that the ganger right. is supposed to work right it just stopped working right that so way it's with right storm. like so so amy's ganger isn't independent of her in the same way that these gangers are that right. she's working properly like she's the one her mind is driving the actions of the ganger. She's just physically not there. Right. Um, and every now and then you just get this eye patch lady opening the door. And so she's sensing that. It's just like a dream when you like incorporate things that are happening in the world, real world around you into your dream. And you yeah. wake up and you're like, oh, that actually happened. I thought I was dreaming that music right. or, yeah. you know, whatever. Right. You know, I you hear someone say something in real life maybe and or the TV's on or something and you it, mm-hmm. it like incorporates yourself into the dream that's the same kind of thing that's going on with Amy and the yeah. and the lady 
um, which I did not predict at all. No, I I did not guess that that's what was happening. Um, no, it's a pretty good twist. I, you know, as far as like realizing that Amy was a ganger, I mean, it was pretty much as it was like, I mean, I think yeah. it's as you're, you know, kind of as the doctor's telling Rory to step away and mm. you're kind of like, oh, wait a minute. Something's yeah. going on here. <laughs> like, yeah. hmm, I think I'm figuring this out like three seconds before they tell me. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. If even that long. So, um, good, you know, good job. Good writing there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and good acting and all that. Um, so, she is pregnant. Yes. And um, wait, are we done talking about the ganger doctor? <laughs> I uh, we kind of segued into I... Amy, right? So okay, before we go uh, into Amy, um, what what else did you want to say about Ganger Doctor? Two other things to say about Ganger Doctor. Um, so I just want to point out that the the section at the beginning when he uh, is struggling to cope with past regenerations and he's sort of like. babbling nonsense and everything um you know a little bit of easter eggs in there that a lot of those pretty much all the quotes are like you know famous quotes from various doctors so um the first doctor has a speech about you know one day he'll come back one day um and i think it's the third doctor and maybe some others always reverse the polarity of the neutron flow that's like the solution to everything um the fourth doctor is always handing out jelly babies and passing jelly babies around. Um, and then a lot of people take the, the, the last one, the hello, I'm the doctor. And then he says, no, let it go. We've moved on as a reference to tenant because, you know, you have a lot of fans who are still, you know, having a tough time adjusting to a new doctor. So kind of having him like mimic tenant and then say like no let it go we've moved on like everyone just get over it we have a new doctor now um you know Mm. a lot of a lot of fans take that as a little tongue-in-cheek kind of i guess meta moment um and then that kind of prompts me to the other thing which i always think about this episode is and i don't know how like important this is but amy's like kind of resist belligerent resistance to the new doctor and her insistence that you know they're different from each other and it's her doctor and they're nothing alike i always take as kind of a little metaphor for like the regeneration and the audience who has a difficult time switching to a new doctor Mm. um you know i don't know where to go with that really but um sure it just, every time I watch it, all the things that Amy's saying, I'm like, this is pretty much just taken from, you know, everyone who uh, ever had a tough time, you know, dealing with a new doctor, you know. Um, you, you know, like, you're fine, but, you know, he's the doctor, you know, and you're okay, I guess, you know, but, you know, right. he, that guy was here first and I, I'm so loyal to him and I don't want this new guy and everything. So, um, you know, that's all just wanted to, that's my little theory for what the subtext of the, of the episode is, but, um, anyway. Yeah, no, I can see some of that. Um, 
the yeah sort of the metaphor of of the new doctor and the audience reaction that kind of thing like that that makes sense i could see that um okay yeah i don't i i don't know that i have anything I don't intelligent know to sort of respond to <laughs> i don't know if there's too much more to say about it but yeah um, let's talk about amy now okay um so she is pregnant um which she i already is. said but yeah going back into it um which reminds me of course that we still have the mystery of this kid who apparently was regenerating right right which calls into question paternity paternity <laughs> uh mm-hmm could just be uh that the kid has what time head is that what she said right, before yeah, like, time head. like maybe i don't know what if it had one yeah you, you know maybe it's not a paternity thing maybe it's a closeness to the tardis thing or you know right right like you know if you drink alcohol when you're pregnant like it'll affect the baby in some way if you're in a tardis mm-hmm. while pregnant maybe it affects the baby right. in some way um Anyway, uh, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, actually, going back to the doctors and Ganger Doctor. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> We're jumping way back and forth in this That's ep- all right. episode. But um, I did want to say, so uh, I had come up with a potential theory or a suggestion, mm. that we'll call it more than a theory per se, yeah. of that perhaps um, the doctor who gets killed way back in the second episode of the season, no, first episode of the season. um, I don't know why I said second episode there. But anyway, is potentially a ganger as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the way I originally formulated it was that it could be this particular ganger. Sure. Clearly that question gets answered in the negative. Right. Um, But the fact that, you know, we, the doctor says this is the early days of the flesh. So we know the flesh project or research or whatever continues to develop and apparently maybe gets better Mm -hmm. even, um, you know, because we see that Amy is uh, a flesh being. Uh, however you want to say that. So um, there's still potential that that yeah. a, a later iteration of a gang or doctor could be the one that gets killed. Yeah. There's at I least love, a possibility. Here. And I love that Amy goes right to that and even kind of hopes that it's true. Like she's talking right. to the real doctor thinking it's the gang or doctor. And she's kind of like hopeful that like she's like, you know, you could be killed too, and I might have seen that happen. Like, you know, Amy's not the most sensitive necessarily. I like that she's sort of like trying to figure out any way she can to make this not be the real doctor. Um, you know, so yeah, which is what well, I was and... referencing when I said now he knows about that because <laughs> she told him. You know, not right, realizing. Right who she was talking to 
yeah he has he has that information that's true. now um that's true i didn't so. really think of it like that yeah no um hmm. so but but i do like that about amy that she's like keeping her eyes open for any loophole she can find any possibility. you know yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so this goes back again to just what you were even just saying about Amy sort of having the audience reaction. Like, I think we see that not just with like the new doctor thing, but in a number of ways, Amy has sort of had the audience reaction. Um, mm. Like also with like uh, the relationship between the doctor and River Song, you know, sure. could it really be that simple? Yes, it could. That's yeah. the audience reaction, right? Yeah. Yes. They're married. Come on. It's clear. Yeah. It's, it's obvious as day that they're married, but yeah. you know. You really think it's that simple? Yes, yes, it can be. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, again, yeah. like, not that that necessarily means it's the right answer, but she's sort of giving the audience response in those instances as well. As yeah. um, so, uh, uh, we get more... Uh, sort of hints throughout the episode of you know like the doctor telling her multiple times to breathe mm. and then in the last moments there the ganger doctor saying you know push but only when she tells you to right which of course is like the long drawn out last word of the episode is the eye patch yeah. lady saying push you know yeah and, yeah and um uh so, I mean, all of these, I mean, the child could not be Amy's, but, like, I would, like, that's got to be where you're thinking and where they want you to be thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. You mean the child, the little girl? The little girl. Okay. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Because, again, like, obviously yeah, how there many are many. Orphan kids there are many running around. Pe- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's infinite, I suppose, explanations that could possibly explain the little girl this yeah. seems like one reasonably plausible one yeah right you right. know what i mean like yeah um so but then of course there's other questions of like where the heck is she right. and how did she get there and so like um i mean the obvious suggestion is that well i was going to say the obvious suggestion is that she was captured back, uh, you know, in the weird orphanage that was shut down by yeah. the yeah. But like, she saw the lady right before she sort of got captured. Yeah, or and I think before the moment that that because they're okay. So here's what I was saying. So like she and sorry I'm sort of like thinking this through I have no. I didn't really think about this in depth before we were just talking about it but like so they're in that weird orphanage that's empty and the weirdo guy and you have the silence and everything there with her mm-hmm. um and she's going to go into that like one room that has like the picture of her and like yeah. child and. Yeah. You know, all the baby stuff and whatever. But, like, she sees the woman in the door, the eye patch lady in the door, before she goes in that room. So, like, right. the presumption could be that that was where she was taken. 
But no, it must have been before that. Before if she's that. seeing the eye patch lady. It, and I'm I'm trying to think at of at some point the doctor is it and it's not in this episode, is it? Maybe it's the next one. I don't know. At some point the doctor references the fact that he thinks she was taken like earlier, like before like before what we saw this season. Like so that you would be right. Like by the time see the season starts, it's already ganger Amy. Um mm-hmm. I think he makes that reference because I, the first time I watched it, I took it as like, yeah, clearly the orphanage is the most logical time where she mm-hmm. was like disappearing and then we have a new Amy there. So like that would make sense. Right. But I think you're right. I think it's supposed to be before. Um, so sometime, I guess, when she's living, uh, you know, at home with Rory or something. Um, well, yeah. And, it seems I mean, like here... that's... Uh, what it's meant to be it's not it's not that clear here but here he says you haven't been here for a long long time yeah so you know obviously that's somewhat vague yeah uh you know does long long time mean like three episodes or does it mean like you know yes like last season right right Um, yeah, and I think with with I there being think, indeterminate lengths between those, and I think know. what it's meant to be is like, so she got she's pregnant, right? So, um, you know, I don't. I think we're meant to understand that between the time she got married and the start of season six is when the switch happened. So enough time that she did get pregnant, and then, you know, was taken. Yeah. Which then goes back to the but whole... But not so far back that she would have been, like, showing yet or something. You know, it must have been recent. Oh, yeah, like, that... I mean, like, they got, she got pregnant on their honeymoon and then sometime right after that. Right. Possibly. Yeah. But it's just guess at this yeah. point. Yeah, and it's not, you know, that important. But that's kind of the general timeline, I think. Um, okay. It's a it's a so, creepy end to this episode. <laughs> it is a creepy end, and I you know, and I said when I first watched it, um, you know, a few days ago or whatever, that I was like, oh man, how how nice of a pairing would that have been with I know uh, the last expecting. angel episode? Yeah, um, that would have been great. Both of which involve waking up pregnant when you didn't know that you were. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. But although actually, you know, it it's it also kind of works well with this Buffy episode too, with the you know, the whole Adam waking up and yeah saying mommy <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, there's there's always something to sort of connect the two in one way or the other. But uh, that generally is yeah no, I mean very very creepy. Obviously, it's uh, I mean. Yeah, again, there's just this question of, like, where exactly is she? Who has her? Um, yeah. It's this eye patch lady. So, um, you know, again, sort of thinking of the silence and everything, like, that mm-hmm. would have been, my guess would have been that they had her. But, like, which I suppose they still could. I mean, maybe they're controlling the lady. But mm-hmm. it seems like she's sort of in control, you know? Right. Of whatever's going yeah, on. Yeah, and in that well, moment, and so. all these things are 
we don't know quite how yet, but they are all connected because, you know, you have Amy there with her, you know, about to have a baby and then with, you know, with the eye patch lady. And then, um, like you said, the logical conclusion is that the baby and the girl are connected, you know, and the girl's connected with the silence. So it does all kind of, you know, we're not quite sure like how it fits together, but they do all seem to sort of be related. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's part of the terrifying part is, um, like, the kind of uh, pull the rug out ending of it's not been Amy this whole season and they've had her and she's been getting more and more pregnant and where the heck is she? Like, you know, like, you kind of think if you're Rory... <laughs> And yeah. you find out that, like, this isn't the real Amy, and she's been missing for, like, months and months, you know? And, and not only that, but, you know, you're working in, a, like, a universe which includes space and time travel. Um, I mean, yeah, so, you've right. got the she doctor literally there, so that's a pretty big asset. But, like, it could literally be, you know, yeah. anywhere. Um, so just that kind of feeling of, like, having no idea where to start, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, so, speaking of Rory, well, okay, well, a couple things. One thing you just, you said, you know, finding out that's not the real Amy, but didn't we just spend a whole episode, like, well, focus on I the fact her. that they are the same person? <laughs> no, and I think that's a big, I think that's a big reason why we spend so much time on yeah. that question in these episodes, oh, no. is, to, is to reinforce that, like, she really has been, you know, even if she's not been there physically, she's been living these experiences, yeah. and, um, yeah, and, and that doesn't, it doesn't like negate all the stuff and say, well, it wasn't really Amy or it didn't, you know, it didn't really matter or that she isn't, you know, you know, affected by what's going on and everything. Yeah, no, no. I, and I wasn't necessarily implying that. I just, it was. No, I think that's a great point. It was an interesting turn of phrase given, given that, yeah. you know, that whole episode. And, and that's even like we said before, like that's even the doctor's whole plan for even going there in the first place was to see if you can tell the difference between the two and clearly they couldn't. But, um, what I wanted to say was with Rory, it's actually very interesting then that like he, he, when the doctor says, you know, stand away from her and Rory doesn't know what's going on, but we've gotten to like we've called out before, you know, okay, you know, Rory's always going to choose Amy and whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is an instance, um, just like we were talking about last week, where like, you know, Rory goes running off after Jennifer and so ends up leaving Amy alone. Like now he's choosing to sort of trust the doctor Yeah. in this case versus, um, you know, standing by Amy and saying, no, you're not going to do anything to her. I'm going to stand here next to her kind of thing. Yeah. So... Um, that's a, I, I just found that to be kind of an interesting moment where, you know, he kind of looks at her and looks at the doctor and, and then he does pull away from her mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, well, and he goes, he goes, why? No, 
and why <laughs> like you know it's like he, you know he's like like it does seem he's like they're they're he must be asking me for a reason like the doctor sure. wouldn't just ask me to do this but like his instinct is sort of still no but he does actually end up trusting the doctor and, and yeah. stepping away so you can see that sort of conflict there in, in the moment but um yeah just just that that interesting that he is getting to that point where he trusts the doctor kind of even more than his own instinct mm -hmm. at least then in in that particular case uh yeah and, and that's it, the and that's scarier than anything when like it's serious enough that worry actually like realizes that you know the, what the doctor is telling him to do is more important than his loyalty to amy in that moment you yeah. know so he just sort of backs away and you know she looks all like betrayed like you know like you know and is kind of alone and waiting for whatever yeah. he's gonna do um, yeah well yeah no amy you know when she says she, she's like i'm i'm frightened i'm truly yeah. properly scared like this is beyond anything like it's not the uh you know it's not any particular monster or even situation um kind of in a way a callback to her sitting there with her eyes closed when the doctor leaves her alone like it's you know yeah. the it's the idea of being left alone and that someone you trust is abandoning you in a way yeah. you know if, um, if i always told you the truth you wouldn't need to trust me exactly. yeah uh so so there you go um the other thing about rory that's great <laughs> is when the doctor calls him rory pond yeah uh and then Roronicus pondicus Roronicus pondicus yeah <laughs> and, like it, rory pond is like he's middle naming him like scolding yeah. him for being a you know a dummy yeah, and then the Veronicus Pondicus is pretty good. Yeah. Um, Which the Pondicus is new. Amy called him Veronicus back when he was the Roman. Um, like she said, like, what's Rory short for? Veronicus. Um, yeah, but right. the doctor adds in Pondicus. Pondicus. Um, and, and he's still a pond, you know, I love that. Yeah, yeah. He's officially a pond, so. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> so that's funny. Um <laughs> Uh, but the other sort of disturbing thing is that he kind of loses his way with Jennifer insofar well, as like, like his heart's in the right place. Yeah. He's but a little he, bit gullible. He, he's a little bit gullible and not, uh, yeah, I mean, not, not very much in the like critical thinking department. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't occur to him and i and i actually i can't necessarily fault him for for this but you know it doesn't occur to him that like i guess sort of there's a copy of a copy right there's a uh -huh. there's a there's another flesh uh version of jennifer out there um and it doesn't occur to him that that could be the case it's just like oh well there's the real one and there's the almost one yeah uh and actually no the real one is dead or i guess at that point just dying mm -hmm. and the real ones are or the fake ones i mean the the almost ones are you know both vying to be considered the real one 
one question I had in that moment was, does either of them, like, there's other moments where members of the flesh seem to be able to detect each other. Mm-hmm. So I sort of assume that they both know that the other one is flesh. Right. But, like, on the other hand, like, there's so much made in this episode of not being able to tell the difference. Like, I wonder right. if the other one each thought their the counter was the like human. their that their their colleague or whatever was actually the real one. So like yeah. I don't like I could see an answer either way in a in a way. But yeah, I could too. Yeah, because it would make sense that they just sort of bump into each other and they each of them knows that they're flesh, so they assume that the other one must be the human. On the other hand, I wouldn't put it past Jennifer for have to, to for that to be like a big setup um, yeah. to kind of win him over once and for all. Because um, after that, we see her being pretty duplicitous. Even like she, you know, convinces him to use his handprint to get her inside, and yeah. and you know, gets him to get them in the room so that she can lock them in and everything. Um, yeah. So, and that's before she starts, like, eating people. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I think you can make a good argument either way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it might not in the long run be that big of a deal, but it is it's it is sort of interesting to wonder if they could tell that the other one was not real or, or what. But, um, yeah. And I, in either like, case, Rory couldn't tell. No. And, and yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you're kind of, you know, saying, oh, Rory, you know, you know, you know how this is going to go. And like, but like, you kind of can't really fault him for that, because that's what we like about Rory is his compassion for people who need it, you know, and, and that's his, you know, nursing instinct to take care of people. So, you know, he is gullible, but it's, like you said, he's in the right place. It's for the right reasons. It's, you know, because he's, you know, kind to a fault. Um, and that's kind of hardly a fault at all, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it also kind of puts a slightly different spin on the ending, too, when you realize that Amy is the ganger, too. You know, that he, because all along he hasn't been anti-ganger or real suspicious of them that he's been you know insisting the whole way through that they're the people too and they can feel pain and fear and emotion and everything so um i think it just you know it makes it it kind of clinches the fact that he's uh there for amy at the end when they realize what's really going on yeah Although I do know I've seen some criticism of people who uh, kind of point out the fact that, you know, we make an awful big deal throughout this whole episode of how gangers are people too. And, you know, they can, you know, feel all these things and everything. And then the ending of it, they're just melting them left and right. The doctor's melting them left and right. So it's like, yeah, they're people, but are they still a second class people? Like it's the ganger, it's the gangers that stay behind to melt Jen and get melted with her. And, 
you know, we melt Amy and everything. Um, so as much as they're the same, there's still a kind of, like, somewhat cold, you know, treatment of them at the end. You know, if if it's down to a real person or a ganger, it seems like the real people get the priority. Um, yeah, you know. unless the real person has already died. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, well, you I know, mean, like, does that Jimmy. undercut? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like the only reason he gets a birth on the TARDIS is because the real Jimmy died. Right. You know, so does it slightly <laughs> undercut the message of, like, equality? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also the fact that, like, um, Cleve, you know, Ganger Cleaves stays mm -hmm. behind, right, to help keep the yeah. door shut so mm -hmm. they could escape, thinking that she has a clot so she's pretty much as good as dead anyway right and then we find out but <laughs> but then we find out that the doctor can cure that so like with something that tastes a little like garlic like you're not even that bad of a solution yeah you know what i mean like yeah i kind of like garlic so you know yeah that not wouldn't so bad. be bad for me like you know what i mean so it's like okay surely there could have been another way yeah um I don't know. Um, not a big fan of like super monster Jennifer. No, there just I mean it's kind of weird and cheesy and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. We talked a little bit like that last time. Like like you said, it's like they just needed to have someone who could turn into a monster, basically. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So she she's the one they chose. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So I don't know that I have a lot to say about like the other gangers, like Cleves. You know, a couple interesting things. You know, sort of between the two different ones, but like it's not okay. Yes, the one can guess the password because she knows what she would use as a password. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that's fine. Um. You know, her, like, <laughs> the whole, like, you know, well, I don't really want to be a revolutionary. I just want to be, le be left to live in peace. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want my world populated with monsters and that kind of stuff. Like, that's fine. Like, okay, we're getting the sort of the difference between her and Jennifer and yeah. all of that. But, again, I'm not sure, like, any of that's, like, super. Super profound. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, the stuff with Jimmy and his son is touching, and and you know it uh, was the doctor say you know it, he helps them into a, an act of humanity and mm -hmm. all of that, um, which is nice again. But you know, yeah, like again, that's all sort of like manip manipulation by the doctor. Yeah. Who I guess at that it is the real doctor, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, He's sort of, yeah, you know, manipulating the situation there to try to get the others out of, yeah, out of being locked up and whatever. Um, I like the doctor's little speech to Adam about how birthdays should go. Like, you know, are you jumping on the bed? I expect chocolate for breakfast. If you don't feel sick by mid morning, you're not doing it right. Um, <laughs> you know, just that little doctory way with kids. Um, is always fun. Yeah. 
but yeah, no, I mean, I don't know there's huge, it's frustrating because I feel like what's most interesting about these episodes is like the last five minutes <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, like the flesh are, and the gangers are mostly interesting insofar as we learn about that and it tells the story with Amy. Um, but, you know, right. for most of the episode, that's not really the focus. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know how much more there is to say about, like, the other gangers themselves. Um, but. Yep. So, um, any, any final thoughts then? Or do you want to wrap this one up a no, we could wrap this one up a little early, I think. Um, you know, I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear when we pick it up, we're going to get more kind of myth arc heavy, you know, stuff. Sure. So we'll pick up with some of the juicier plot threads next time. So we've we've had our adventures now. It's time to get back into Back what's to some going serious on. business for a little while, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, look forward to uh, doing that, and we'll be we'll be back next week with uh, with that, and then with uh, another episode of Angel. So, all right. See you then.